this is no name by size. And I'm Jose, your host for the next 20 or so minutes. On today's episode, we will be talking about Dark Souls 3, the final installment or iteration on the Souls saga, according to the developer from software. Dark Souls 3 was released on uh, March of 2016, and the reason why we're talking about it now is because of the release of the DLC that Ashes of Ariandel was released on October last year, and now The Ringed City was released on March of 2017, and is supposed to close the whole saga. It comes to an end with this. Besides that, if you guys are interested at the end of the podcast, uh, well, you can get a Game of the Year edition with all the DLC just released at the end of this month, I think. So Dark Souls 3 was released on Xbox One, PS4, and PC, and the genre is... Uh, masochistic simulator, patience, tester, in the shape of an action RPG. The developer, as we were mentioning, was from software, and it was directed by Hidetaka Miyazaki in parallel to Bloodborne, uh, that it was another game inside of the uh, of the Soul saga that it was developed as an exclusive for PS4. This is not the first time that it happens that a Souls game is an exclusive for for a Sony console. Being the first uh, the first game in the Souls saga was called uh, Demon Souls and it was releasing exclusive for PS3 10 years ago, I think now. Yeah. So Bloodborne and Dark Souls they share the same DNA but they have some key features difference, key difference between both of them. So, but in any case, what makes Dark Souls so special? Why people like Souls games so much? I think the main thing that people love is is uncompromising difficulty. Most games nowadays don't dare to present a challenge. They just present you some kind of experience that plays by itself or close to by itself uh, without making you pay too much effort to just beat it. I think that it's hard to find a AAA game nowadays where a game over a screen is seen more than once or twice in a normal playthrough. I mean, if you play on extremely hard, yeah. But the idea with the Souls games is that they're going to be challenging and there is no hard mode. I mean, you can create a hard mode for yourself, but the game doesn't have difficulty levels. It's just playing hard. It's just completely tuned with the idea of being hard. About the story of Dark Souls 3, I have to say that I'm not an expert by far, and I feel usually pretty confused about it, and most of the time at the end I just end up reading online about it. And it's good, it's a good story, but at the same time it's just obscure by design. So the setting of the Dark Souls games is a medieval fantasy world, and on each Souls games you are presented with the last moments of the Age of Fire being teamed with the mission of rekindle the fire to keep that Age of Fire going. On Dark Souls 3, you are an Unkindle or SM1. They never explain really what it means. It says that you cannot die, and that's the reason why you always come back to the previous bonfire when you die, but... There is no real, like, deep explanation to it. And you're trying to bring the Lords of Cinder back into their thrones so you can get to the first flame and rekindle it, continuing the age of the Lords of Flames and humans. So, the same thing. This is something pretty funny that you can see some kind of parallelism with this kind of uh, archetype with Legend of Zelda. That is basically, the story is always the same. It's always... Link has to defeat Ganon in order to save Zelda. Most of the time they're based on different generations, like thousands of years apart from each other. And Dark Souls does something similar. That is, the premise is always the same, but the point in time is 
difference. But then they also have some kind of weirdness about they don't have the concept of time. Well, it's pretty convoluted. Um, I'm not completely sure if it makes sense or not, but it's really interesting to read about. The other thing that is pretty interesting about it is that the story is never narrated, as I was mentioning, with a cinematic or just explaining it to you directly, and is explained through small bits found on items, descriptions, or hidden locations, and connecting the dots to just have the big picture, you know, the general idea of what it's about, is completely on the player's hand. The setting of the game can be compared with Berserk, the manga Berserk. It just depicts a desolated world where humans just live by without any hosts or end up creating some kind of bizarre calls chanting about the end of the world or worshipping some kind of evil incarnation that takes over small villages. Their problems are not a coincidence. As Miyazaki has stated several times, his adoration or his likeness of the Kentaro Miura's manga and that's something that can even see with specific boss fights or enemy designs that they look straight from the manga. Besides the uh, the story the DLC just for mentioning it expands over the original story but in a more of a standalone kind of way being both of the DLC parts connected. The first one will take us inside of a painted wall to try to show flame to its painter whereas uh, the second one we will be following an NPC into the the Ringed City to hand down the elusive Dark Souls so the painter can paint a new wall. So on the technical aspects, I think there is a game that is going to feel rough around the borders. If this is your first Dark Souls game, you will feel like it's just a, a tough game, you know, not only on the gameplay perspective, but also on the technical side. The artistic direction is top-notch, and they saw a significant jump in quality, in technical quality, compared with the previous PlayStation 3 uh, Dark Souls games. It can still feel like things don't click for a while, kind of thing that when you start playing it, you will realize that the menus are not pretty, that it's not exactly smooth, the animations are extremely long for some specific actions, and you are completely sold out when you start doing an action. So, that just leads to the uh, conclusion that the graphically, graphically the game is okay, but it's not stellar, and it's not so strange to see slowdowns from time to time. Uh, but once again, given how slow compared to other, you know, like modern action games is, it doesn't usually happen on points that could end up with an unfair death. So it's something that you roll out with. The music helps to set up the mood, being silent most of the time, only play on specific points, especially boss battle, adding to the epic flair of the game. This helps to transmit the feeling of desolation and loneliness across most of the playthrough. Moving into the gameplay, I think that the gameplay is where this saga really signs. As we were mentioning with Breath of the Wild, something interesting was the small amount of hand-holding that it was doing. If a Legend of Zelda game was doing that, Dark Souls is like the older brother or that, where there is no explanation, there is basically no tutorials besides some five or six notes that you're going to find on the ground, just giving you basic indications about the controls. From that point on, you won't have anything, and even at that point, you already had to create a, a character, you already went through plenty of stats without knowing what exactly is going on. Talking about stats, uh, a part of creating a new character is selecting a class. But classes on Dark Souls are not something to be completely guided by, unless you are aiming to do several playthroughs and you want to min-max your character. They determine what are your starting stats, but you can specialize in whatever you want at a later time in the more than 100 levels that probably will take you to beat the game. 
The leveling up may be one of the most characteristic aspects of the game that we also start seeing in other games too. Souls games are designed to die. Even the Dark Souls 1 port to PC was called Prepare to Die Edition, but dying has a really high price. Along your adventures you could be accruing souls or experience points, as you slay monsters that you will eventually use to level up your stats. Every time you die, you drop all your souls in the point that you dive, and you have to come back from the latest checkpoint to the point that you dive to pick them up. If you were to die again on the process, those souls would be lost for good. In order to make this interesting, not only enemies are rodless, but every single time that you die, all enemies respawn. So you will have a full challenge, a full map of enemies, even you clean up everything in order to get to your souls again. So just moving into the combat, the combat is based on an stamina approach, so sword fights can be similar, going back to Breath of the Wild, to what was introduced by Ocarina of Time. You will be using C-targeting, but having to read every single enemy and wait for an opening. If you are playing defensively or attack without quarter, if you are playing in a more of an aggressive manner, and you are willing to repeat every section over and over until you get familiar with the enemy patterns. Every swing of the sword or usage of an item will consume stamina that recovers over time. If it's magic or miracles or pyromantics, will also use uh, a focus points bar that it works as an MP from any RPG that you guys are familiar with. If you run out of stamina, you won't be able to dodge or cover from attacks. So it actually leaves you at the mercy of the uh, enemy for a couple of seconds. And as we were saying, every single enemy from the starting area ones to the final enemies, they all present the same kind of challenge if you don't have your defense up or you are not actually on your best, you know, on your most attentive play style. Every weapon has a start requirement, so if you're going to specialize into a fade user, probably you won't be able to use some of the most gigantic swords. In order to minimize that, most weapons can be infused with gems that change their scaling and basic requirements, allowing to play with a more diverse set of weapons. Also, every weapon can be improved to a plus 5 or plus 10 level, depending on each one, and for that we will need different materials, as well as souls, for the process of upload of upgrading the weapon. Getting to the last level of that upgrade will require extremely rare material that you can only find a specific number of them on the playthrough. That scarcity of uh, materials and associations with your character build may feel like you are selling out to a stats every time that you level up, but thankfully, there is some limited respect option. And I think that is not the first time. I think that Dark Souls 2 also had this kind of, this feature, but it's something to be thankful for. I think that you can only respect three or four times, but at least they give you that option. But on the other hand, materials for the final grade, as I was mentioning, they are limited, so most of the time I think that you're going to have the feeling that you want to start up, uh, upgrading a, a weapon, but take a bit longer in order to do the final, the final upgrade until you are completely sure, you know, if that's the weapon that you want to use. Another alternative for this is actually just reading online, finding uh, what are the best specs, what are the best weapons, and just follow that. I think that I don't know if it's part of the design that it had in mind, but being such an obscure game and just 
penalizing or making so hard, experimenting with different weapons and different aspects, it forces this kind of community, this feeling of I need to know what other people learn from this game. Or just don't be afraid of scratch, you know, your character and start over with a different one. But that may be a bit painful when we're talking about a game that may take over 40 hours to finish. As we mentioned earlier, the progress of the game is through checkpoints or bonfires, as they call it, that connect to each other, allowing you to fast travel between them. Those bonfires connect to a central area where you can spend your hard-earned souls. So seeing a bonfire after a gruesome exploration of a new area is something that will always put you at ease. Every time we touch a bonfire, all enemies will respawn. Exactly the same as if we were to die. So that allows to farm from for souls pretty easily on the same area over and over, or maybe just curse your luck when you were about to reach a new bonfire and the last enemy in front of it killed you, having to go through the same ordeal as every single enemy respawn. Dark Souls does a great job of making every small step feel like a, high, a huge success, like everything is meaningful. But if lighting up a new bonfire feels like a success, beating a boss feels like a rush of a really strong drug. If you're familiar with classic JRPGs, you will be familiar with the concept of being faced against a boss that is essentially impossible. Those fights most of the time are just there to make you feel how far away are you from your goal. You know, how much growth you still need to do in order to be a significant threat to that final boss. A perfect example of this it would be Labos on Chrono Tracker that you face several times across the story before getting to the final to the final combat. On Dark Souls 3 is well somehow similar. The first time that you meet up a new boss, probably the feeling is oh well there is no way that I can be that, but it's going to be fine. Once that I die, I'm going to be showing up in a different place, and they're going to tell me exactly how to beat it. And no probably you're going to die, and the game is going to just place you on the closest bonfire, telling you, like, well, you tried. You're going to recover all your Etsus flask or potions, as this game calls it. Um, then you just go ahead and try again, over and over, until you can beat it. And that's something interesting. As we mentioned, on Dark Souls, you level up your stats, but the game wants you to level up your skills. Even with the highest stats that you can imagine, you will still die at a boss if you don't know how to read moves properly. So you are not going to be beating a boss of sheer luck most of the time, <laughs> at least. That leads to incredible videos where some players create glass canyons builds and just kill a boss in a couple of well-timed critical hits. The game can be easy if you really get to the point of just understanding all the mechanics inside it. But meanwhile, the game is going to be challenging and it's not going to try to be condescending and make it easy for you and just showing up a message of, hey, this game looks like it's pretty hard. Why do I do the easy mode for you? There is no easy mode. The only easy mode is learning how to play it. Just continue about the boss fights, they are imaginative and epic. They you the idea of being against all odds, and is the point where the reference to Berserk is the most clear. Of the bosses, most of the time, gigantic demon creatures is where the desperation feeling of high risk, high reward signs the most. It's 
possible to beat them on your first try, as we were mentioning, but especially if they are more of a puzzle boss kind of thing, but some of them will stay with you for a while until you can get familiar with the moves and perfect your reading and execution. Now, for the good part about the bosses is that this time most of them will be close to a bonfire. So, as I was mentioning, if you die, you could be just respawning immediately in front of them, recovering all your potions. So, it's more of a don't have to waste time in order to get to the boss, as it happened, you know, in previous iterations and, uh, and Bloodborne. Uh, in this case, you just spawn directly in front of it and just repeat over and over. Another thing that makes Dark Souls 3 special that is just a constant in the whole saga is the approach to online gaming. As we were mentioning, bosses are challenging and cruel, but you don't have to face them by yourself. Dark Souls 3 operates on an ember system. You begin the game with an ember active. While it's active, you will have more HP and you will be able to summon other players to your world to help you out. Those players will stay with you until you beat a boss or you die, moment where your ember will be lost. If, on the other hand, you are offering your help to another player, you won't be risking an ember. And if you kill a boss with him, besides getting a good sum of souls, you could get your ember active, being able to summon people to your world to help you out. That's something that is pretty interesting uh, to use in order to get familiar with new mechanics from new bosses without risking anything. But being openly cruel game, this couldn't end up here, so it has its own twist over an already creative uh, online mechanic. Once you have an ember active, you can be invaded by other players, just with the simple mission of hunt you down and kill you. So a Part of the, an item that you can equip, a type of item that you can equip, are called the Covenant signs. That will allow you to earn medals for your Covenant. That is similar to what happened on the Dark Souls 1 with the guilds, I think. So with those medals you will be unlocking, you will be unlocking specific items that they cannot get anywhere else. So this it makes more appealing to us all other people's worlds. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the PPP aspect of the game as I already struggle with the regular enemies as to think about other humans screwing me over. But the online mechanics, besides the direct interaction, are pretty top-notch, pretty creative. Besides this, besides this kind of direct interaction face-to-face, -face, you know, invading people or just helping other people, you find notes left by users on the ground and also uh, blood stains where other people with other players where player died so you can use this information for just preventing from an ambush around the corner just to wrap up this is the end of the Dark Souls saga at least for now once again and they have been rough gruesome games, the perfect embodiment of high risk, high reward, as I was mentioning. The kind that infuriates you when you die over and over on the same boss, but makes you jump out your seats and raise your arms in victory when you finally kill a boss on your last breath with no potion left. The kind of game that surprises you around every corner with shortcuts that connect parts of the map that look really far away. If Breath of the Wild was based on the awe of discovery, Dark Souls are based on the feeling of overcoming a huge challenge, succeeding against all odds. It's like looking for the first time at something that you thought that you would never be able to do. And some hours later, just feeling that it's challenging, but that you can do it. Feeling like overcoming a really big challenge. So it requires 
perseverance, dedication and patience, but what good things on this life don't require those. <laughs> Dark Souls 3 can take around 40 hours to be at a many many more to think about it. It's a game to obsess about, to read techniques, build a story, ton of stuff online. It's the counterpart of an industry that has been spoiling us with AAAs for so long. Games that they just drop their pants <laughs> when they see you. Is the kind of games that they're going to be spoiling you with the idea that you can beat them, that you're just sitting down, you already pay 50 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever for the game. So there is no reason for more challenge than that. It's about just a straight enjoyment. But there's those games are games that tells you you are not entitled to beat this game just because you sit in front of it for these hours. They are unapologetically hard and cruel but fair and brilliantly designed. It may not be a game for everyone, but if you have ever been curious about it and you don't like to give up on challenges that they face up on your life, this may be the perfect moment with this new game of the year edition. This has been No Name by Size. Thank you so much for listening. Um, see you next time. Bye.